This is TDPS. Eric. Yes, Christopher? Are you sick of doing promos for my new books yet? That depends. Are we at the beach? Yes, we're at Sapphire Cove, the fictional Southern California resort featured in my new gay romance series coming in 2022. This is alarming. When did we go outside? You were transported by the powerful prose of C. Travis Rice. That's my new pen name devoted to steamy and emotional tales of romance between men. Yeah, no, that's not it. I was about to eat a sandwich in the studio, and now I'm being harassed by seagulls. Brandon, get rid of the seagulls, please. Oh, that's much better. Now I have to pee. First, pre-order your copy of Sapphire Sunset, the first installment in the Sapphire Cove series, which goes on sale March 1st, 2022, from Blue Box Press, when a new member of the resort security department falls hard for the nephew of the wealthy family that owns the place, sparks fly, and sexy scandal ensues at Sapphire Cove. Uh, Yeah, could you pre-order that for me? I'm going to run to the little podcaster's room. Brandon! Come get this seagull! I can't help it if my writing sets the scene. I know what I'm going to set if someone doesn't come get this seagull. Where'd you get that sandwich? Sapphire Sunset, the first book in the Sapphire Cove series from C. Travis Rice. Now available for pre-order. Eric. Yes, Christopher? Have you been to my website lately? Why would I go to your website? You're sitting right here. Well, it's the place to find out all about my new books. Why would I go to your website for that? Again, you're sitting right here. All right. Well, for people who aren't right here, ChristopherRiceBooks.com is a great place to get information about my new releases. Which you'll give me copies of because I'm sitting right here. Yeah, maybe. But for those who aren't currently sitting in our studio on the Sunset Strip, check out my website, sign up for my mailing list, and check out all the posts on my blog where I talk smack about Eric Shaw Quinn. What smack? Shut up and read this new book I wrote. Fuck that and fuck ChristopherRiceBooks.com. This ad did not go as planned. This was an ad? Hi, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you're listening to TDPS Presents Christopher. And Eric and, and, his, and, <laughs> and his friend on caffeine. I was trying to surprise you because you were mid-sip, so I wanted to see if I could knock you sideways into our intro. You going for a spit take? I was going for a spit take and then some. I'm sorry I blew it. I'm sorry you ruined everything. I really am just no fun at all. That's what everyone says. That Eric, he's just no No fun. fun. At all. Okay, so today's episode could be titled, Christopher Forgot to Do Something and Now We Have to Do It on This Episode. (laughs) (laughs) I would prefer to call it, uh, also known as, um, Christopher and Eric Still Need an Actual Producer. (laughs) We do. (laughs) We need a producer. We have been producing this with 260 episodes in, so it seems like we have some skills, but they do not include organization or doing things that we say. In fact, I think it might be interesting to hire somebody. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to go back and listen to all of the episodes all the <laughs> and see how many broken promises there are. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts it's called Faded Mates and it's a romance author named Sarah McLean and a romance reviewer named Jen Prokops. Um, they, they talk about romances every week but they just did an episode I was listening to where they said the exact same thing. They, they went back through their archive to check for one thing and had to hear all of the broken promises they had made to oh their listeners God, yes. along the way. 
Yeah. yeah. People used to, we would like have a giveaway and people would like six months later would write us and go, <laughs> we don't want to be mean or anything. They but were so nice. Are you going to send us our book or, <laughs> or what? Man? And then I would send it like $200 overnight Federal Express because I felt so guilty. Yeah. Because they, it, I guess they dipped it in gold before they delivered it. I- <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know, Federal Express is a mystery to me. They have their own sort of yes. weird. Yes, it is a, the great mystery of Federal Express. They actually used to be really good. Mm. We both take a sip of tea as yes. we bitterly reflect on the downfall of FedEx. No, there was a guy who wrote in a book. I think it was called In Pursuit of Excellence, mm. and one of the case studies he picked was FedEx. And I remember he said he was. I heard. It, it was pre-TED Talk, so I don't know what it was called then. It was just a lecture of some sort. <laughs> Sit down and listen to me, young man. Um, <laughs> he said that FedEx answered the phone on or before the first ring. How he do said, wait? How do you answer a phone before? And the that first was his. Ring? That was his astonishment. Like as soon as the connection was made, there was somebody there. Like, it did not get the chance to <laughs> I don't ring. I understand how that It works. didn't get the chance to ring. Like, they got a notification yeah. that a call was coming in, and there was somebody ready to hit the button. Mm. Like, it really, when they first started, when it absolutely positively has to be there overnight, that used to be their slogan. Yeah. When was the last time you heard anybody say that I don't from know. FedEx? No. Not even the people you talk to. They're not terrible. I still like them just fine, but they've kind of just become UPS, too. Right, yeah, the revenge. Um, yeah. We're number two, and we try harder and have cuter but, trucks. But the, the the partnership between Amazon and UPS seems to have really elevated UPS almost past FedEx these days. Like, you had an experience recently of you had to return something to Amazon using UPS, and once you went to a UPS store, it was completely seamless. Like, you walked in, they just scanned one thing, there you was not, out. They handed me something, yeah. yeah. And the thing that they scanned came from... From Amazon, yeah. And UPS has always been gigantic. My the one that they did that I thought was really remarkable was they decided that because they were doing the returns on Dell computers, and apparently Dell computers are so shitty that <laughs> there's a lot of returns on them. I certainly had plenty mm-hmm. um, before I finally just gave up when mm-hmm. they wouldn't even honor their own. Um, uh, warranty. That yeah. was really that was that, that was, was like. Oh, story. I'm sorry. You haven't met me, have you? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but they actually put in a bid to do the repair work on the Dells. Mm-hmm. So UPS was not only picking up the broken um, Dell computers; they were repairing them, weird, and returning them because they were the ones doing it. So they figured we'll we'll bid on the other contract. You know, yeah. like it, they're a gigantic. Concern. I'm not sure that anybody else is even. Yeah. Like I, I, it's like when Avis did. We're number two, but we try harder. They were not even a close second. It yeah. was like there was Hertz rent a car, and then there was you know mm-hmm. other rental services. Yeah. Well, apparently, do not disturb does not work as well as we had. <laughs> you hoped. got your citizen helicopter alert if you if you heard that and you don't live in Southern California and you don't know what we're talking about. There's an app called Citizen, which is basically like a police scanner. Uh, app for your phone and we have so many police and law enforcement helicopters in Los Angeles it now tells you when one is flying over and it gives you a little ding and a helicopter sound the first sound effect and the tail number remember the first sound effect they picked for it scared the shit out of everyone it sounded like something out of Tron or Star Trek yeah it was like Black Hawk Down at your house (laughs) anyway that's a little peek behind the curtain here at TDPS Presents Christopher or Los Angeles or whatever What if I put it on airplane mode? 
Uh, that will just cut off your Wi-Fi. Oh, well, that wouldn't help at all. Welcome to another episode of Eric Figures Out Technology here at TDPS. <laughs> yeah, Eric doesn't quite figure out technology. <laughs> Might be a better title for it. Okay, well, we should talk about what we're actually going to talk about today, which is whatever we want to talk about. <laughs> and this is how it happens. Yes, totally. We were supposed to talk about this once yes, before. and, and now we're getting We distracted. started talking about UPS and FedEx and whatever else we were talking about. Oh, and we still haven't talked about Pinterest. No, <laughs> but Pinterest is for later, so stay okay. tuned for Pinterest. Stay tuned for Pinterest. We'll forget and not talk about that later. Which with podcast means don't turn us off. Like, stay tuned. It's not like you're going to be distracted by another channel on this. Uh, anyway, whatever. Um, uh, so I totally forgot to mention several weeks ago when I actually made this announcement on the internet that I'm rolling out a new pen name devoted to tales of gay romance. And maybe you heard the promo at the top of this episode. But his name, my alter ego, who will be publicly acknowledged to the consternation of some folks on Facebook who couldn't understand the thinking, but I will explain that too. Uh, C. Travis Rice is publishing his first gay romance next year. It's already available for pre-order. Well, it that's is, just your name. Um, well, it is. It's a variation on my name, though. And this is why. I'm telling you, this is why. It's to let people know that it's a different type of book. I don't know if you saw the video. It it's a very me. special episode of Punky Brewster. <laughs> Sorry. This Friday. I'm sorry. Didn't didn't we do a rehearsal for a promo where you removed things that you thought would seem vaguely critical of my writing? Because oh, we always want to support each other. That wasn't about you. your writing. It's a special episode of Punky Brewster is not something I want associated with my books. However, it's very sad that the reboot got canceled. But let's not get distracted. Anyway. Whatever. Oh, I didn't yeah. realize oh, that. Oh, yeah, like canceled out of the gate. Like So boom. I've managed to miss the entire series both times, huh? Well, I think it's out there on Peacock. I think it was a Peacock original, so. Which is, you know, almost a contradiction in terms. Why are we talking about Punky Brewster? Let well, I was actually focusing on the special thing, not your writing. I think you're a really good writer. Oh, I've you. actually read this book, and I think you're burying the lead. I don't think the news here is that, I mean, he's going to be publishing these books under this new right. name. And I guess that's interesting, mm -hmm. you know, so that bigots aren't inadvertently exposed to gay people, you know. Falling in love with each other and mm -hmm. having steamy um, love scenes together. Yes, exactly. Um, but I think that the news is that you've got this wonderful new book coming out. Yes, that thank you. People can pre-order, and I'm lucky I get to read them early. Sometimes. I don't always. Um, no, I don't. But uh, sometimes I get to read them early, and I got to read this one early, and I really enjoyed it. And I, Thank you. I think you will, too. And P.S., it's going to be published under the pen name C. Travis Rice, but really, that's just Christopher's name. His it's middle actually, name is actually, despite what you may have heard, his middle name is not Louise. Even though I, <laughs> that's what I always say. His middle name is actually Travis. Travis. No, it, it is Christopher Rice writing as C. Travis Rice, and the reason I'm doing that, and nobody was really, there were some shitty people on the internet, because there are always shitty people on the internet. Right? But What's up with that? Most of the questions were, why are you, if it's an acknowledged pen name and we know it's you, why are you doing this? And the point is, is because this is going to be a different type of book from a, from most of the Christopher Rice novels. It's not going to have demonically possessed plants in it. It's not going to have a serial killer who wants to cut your face off. It's not going to have any of those Because those things. really harsh a good romance. They really do. No, it was interesting to give it to you, though, because you are not a big romance novel reader. I don't know if you've ever read something that's considered a sort of commercial uh, Harlequin-inspired romance. No, novel. my romance is more like my romance. It's like Prince's Psalm. Mm -hmm. You know, like, that's really more the 
kind of romance that if I've read romance, it's been more in that mm-hmm. kind of genre um, than than the other. I think I'm trying to think of others, but like you know, like I would consider Princess Salma romance. I would consider all of Mary Renault's books mm-hmm. romance, and you know, like, but they aren't Harlequin. They are not yeah. from Harlequin. They're and I'm not. They're not better. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they're more historical, but mm-hmm. that would be probably the most common element, I would guess, to those things that I've mentioned. Huh. I'd never really thought about that. Y- yeah. I-, I mean, it's an interesting discussion right now because the romance crowd can get very strict in their definition of what a romance novel is. Well, what would is. that be? They would say those are love stories and historical fiction. Historical love stories, sagas seem to describe most of what you're saying. Like Princess Psalm is a, is a saga, a historical saga. Okay. But um, a love story, see, the, the, the commercial understanding of a romance novel uh, is that it will offer a happily ever after for the two people, or sometimes three people who are in love. And so if one of them dies at the end, it sort of pitches it. Like, there, this is an interesting conversation around Nicholas Sparks in particular, the author of The Notebook, because he is so, and I was hearing this again on an episode of Faded Mates, he is very much, I don't want to be called a romance novelist. He's He pushes the label away. He says this is... Women's fiction, this is contemporary love stories, it's whatever, because he often does have a sad ending. Somebody dies at the end. They don't end up walking off into the sunset right. together. Yeah. And the romance crowd also does not want to have Nicholas Sparks among them, mainly because, because he's so shitty about the label. just such an unpleasant person, apparently, <laughs> he in said, general. He said once. just seems like the meanest man in the world. It's kind of amazing that he writes these lovey-dovey books, because <laughs> everything I've ever heard about him is like, wow, he seems terrible. Maybe it's not true. I hope it's not, but like, well, wow. I don't know. You hear stuff, but I think my favorite Nicholas Sparks moment was he was interviewed by the Los Angeles Times, and they asked him, of what his most influential book was, what the book that influenced him the most. And he said one of his own. <laughs> he said the notebook. And it was like, the question was actually, you know, like what book impacted you growing up when you were reading? <laughs> it was not which book of yours do you think is the best. But anyway, sorry, cracked me up. Um, but yeah, it's that happily ever after thing. That's really what the romance crowd is. is, is and I would have thought it was yeah. because they're more erotically based. They have a more, much mm-hmm. more sort of, they're steamier. That's nobody part of looks it. off into the like uh, Sapphire Cove. Nobody's gazing off into the no. fire. The camera doesn't pan out to the pounding surf right. at an appropriate moment. Things. Things get, get, get things get sexy and spicy. Sexy, yeah. Um, no, not, that's not a given because there's a lot of romance that is that is that they do do more fade to black or metaphors below the belt, earth moved kind of stuff. Uh-huh. Red, white, and royal blue, which is a very popular queer romance out there right now about a love story between the first son and the prince of Wales. Uh-huh. Um, there's no mention of what anybody's genitals look like or smell like or you know how they how aggressively they pop from how their britches. Yes, exactly. It's very it's much the sex in that is much softer. And I think there's a sense right now that a lot of the traditionally published gay romance or uh, LGBT romance, queer romance, whatever label you feel comfortable using to apply to that, that if it's coming out of a traditional house, the sex is often fairly toned down it's about that hea they call it that happily ever after that's really what people think kind of makes a romance novel a romance novel and let me tell you something if you market it as a romance and it doesn't have that you're going to hear about it you're going to hear about it. <laughs> 
You should see the look he's giving me. Oh like, yeah, like I'm gonna do something. No, I'm just you know I'm I'm giving my lecture, my TED talk. But um, no, that's interesting. I, I've been wondering. I, you know, because it's become such a thing. Mm-hmm. But I've always sort of considered those other books kind of a, like I would consider Gone with the Wind romance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, the Princess Salma is about a lot of things, but really it's about the relationship between Jonathan and David. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, and how all across history and all of those events, mm-hmm. that relationship plays out. So to me, that's that seems to be romance. But but yeah, no, you cannot, not necessarily, I wouldn't go with HEA. I know. That's the challenging part of it because a lot of, you get to the HEA, by not going years and years into the relationship, right? You 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 chronicle the the falling in love and the cementing the early building blocks of the relationship, and then the declaration of a commitment, be it through marriage or an engagement or a proposal, and then the book ends. And there are some rare instances in popular series of coming back to the couple and telling an additional part of their story, but you know, like <clears throat> Jonathan and David, that's years of story. That's why it's a historical epic. Like oh, if you yeah. follow any relationship through to the end. They're either going to break up or someone's going to die. Yeah, that, that is kind of how all relationships <laughs> Unless end, it's so. all that old couple on the Titanic who held each other until the very end. Well, then <laughs> yeah. they both died, but that's still kind of... In the same moment, yeah. refusing to leave each but other. That yeah. doesn't really change that. It's still how the relationship ended. I guess that's how all relationships end one of two ways. Yeah. But at any rate, in my in my current books, the relationships end when one partner kills the other. Exactly, <laughs> you're a mystery guy right now. You got your mystery hat on. But this is what I like to say because I came out of thrillers and mysteries, and I'm still writing thrillers as well. More thrillers than mysteries. You're really, you're really our mystery half of the team. Um, I uh, realized when I started reading a lot of contemporary romance novels that this was a world in which characters were rewarded for their vulnerability rather than punished for it. And I don't mean that in really a moralistic sense, but in a thriller or a mystery, someone has gone home with the wrong person uh-huh. or married the wrong person or and they have paid the price. Made a bad choice. Made a bad choice or whatever. And it's about trying to repair the wound, the damage, heal the wound left by that choice. Whereas... Uh, in romance, every risk is kind of rewarded. Not 100% across the board, but it's like you walk through your fear and you get what you want, and which is a very compelling... Yeah, I was thinking of an opening sequence that didn't necessarily hit it. It's really, no, it's your new book. I'm not, yeah. spo- no spoilers, no, yeah. no, no spoilers. But yeah, there is a sequence right at the... Right at the top of the book, where I was literally calling, oh. I was calling out advice to the character from my living don't room. Don't do that! Oh, don't do that! Oh God, no! Uh, don't do that! Oh yeah. Well, we can talk a little bit about the plot. We don't. What we also did is we reached out to um, you, our party people, to ask you about the most romantic thing anyone's ever done for uh, you. Well, that sounds way more interesting than us nattering on about what we think. Okay, but we're going to give a little more plot details before we go right into that. But also, um, we have some answers to that question from authors who are also published by Blue Box Press, which is going to be the wonderful little press that's doing Sapphire Cove. So cool. we'll have all of that when we come back. <laughs> I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And Eric and I aren't just podcasters. And pitches. That's right. We're also authors. And you can buy all of our books at www.thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv and wherever ebooks are sold. <laughs> 
At thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv, you can check out my Right Murder mystery series. Or sample my Burning Girl thrillers. The best part is, the more you buy our books, the less likely we'll end up filling the spot with an annoying ad for a napkin that counts your calories. The TDPS Network, alienating potential advertisers one promo at a time. Okay, I have to correct something. I should say so. I have to, I, yes. <laughs> Blue Box Press is not a little press. They are actually an incredible Precious little <laughs> porcelain Limoges press. It's in a tiny little box. <laughs> it's like in a they, frilly little shop on yes. the corner of Fru Fru and <laughs> Zsa They published arguably one of the most. Uh, best-selling titles in like recent memory with Jennifer L. Armitrout, who was the guest on our old podcast, yeah. The Dinner Party Show. Uh, she wrote a book called From Blood and Ash, and that series has been unbelievably successful. They are not a little press. I made it sound like no, they're, they're my aunt with like a yeah. some plates in the backyard right. making her binding her own <laughs> little journal. Every journals. page is carved into <laughs> linoleum. <laughs> Printed on a hand-screened press. So apologies to MJ Rose, Lizberry, and Jillian Stein for calling Blue Box a little press. Tiny little teeny tiny little. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was a little interesting when I gave them the book because I was I was sort of initially. No, it wasn't a little interesting. It was very interesting. It was large and substantially interesting. I have to stop saying little. Um, I'm just afraid of taking up too much space. It's something I'm working on in that therapy. That really has never been true. <laughs> All right. Okay. There's no evidence of that. Um, I was sort of defensive when I gave them the book because I was like, look, okay, this is a romance novel, but it's about gay men and there are things in it that are not that I'm not gonna cut and there's they're 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 about the gritty reality of being single and being gay before you meet the one, if you ever meet the one, blah, 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 blah. blah. And they were like, okay, okay, And okay. you were pretty specific about what they were. No, I wasn't. I didn't tell them. Oh. And so they read the book and they were like, we love the book. What were you talking about? <laughs> and I was like, oh, Never mind. my God. But they're, you know, so basically the setup of the, is, is you know, this guy, Logan Murdoch, he's just gotten out of the Marine Corps. His father has been in a bad accident. Uh, which is going to basically kill his career in construction. He's paying his father's medical bills, and so he gets this kind of plum gig at the security department of this very fabulous Lux uh, resort called Sapphire Cove in Orange County, California. Um, and he immediately, when he sees the nephew of the family that owns the hotel, it's like instant love. He just falls in love with the guy. But he feels like they can't be together because he really needs this job and complications. And it was his boss or his yeah. boss's son at the very least. And yeah. Very weird and whatever, but... And then a big scandal throws them back together and they have to work to save the hotel together. So that's the basic setup of the plot. But nothing is little. But nothing is little. Nothing in the book is little. Except maybe the leading man. Connor's little. <laughs> Connor's like a pocket gay. He's my favorite kind of gay. Right, Christopher's favorite. Because you write about what you know. Uh, you write about what you like. But he doesn't sound like Jordan, does he? You no, know he does. There's a joke. Somebody says he sounds like a kid in a Pixar film. Oh, so he even sounds like Jordan. Yeah, okay. he's a, but not quite like Jordan. He's a smart... More like Fitzpatrick. More like Fitz, <laughs> Jordan's friend Fitzpatrick. No, that's not it either. <laughs> that's not it either. None of that suggests romance But he sounds me. like a cartoon character. He sounds somewhat like a cartoon character, but he's adorable, and Logan falls madly head over heels in love with them. Because he was a huge fan of the cartoons as a small child. Because he loved cartoons <laughs> as a child. This has gotten really creepy really fast, but that's true of a lot of things on TDPS Presents Christopher and Eric. Look at this. 
way we could be talking about a murder show, but we're not. Well, I, you know, like it's, I guess creepy is in the eye of the beholder. <laughs> we're putting that on a t shirt. Right? Like, I, I don't think any of that sounded creepy. Like, you like what you like. I yeah. went through that thing. It's, this is a great time to talk about the Pinterest thing. Oh, Eric versus Pinterest. This is really. This is the weirdest goddamn thing. I Tell just, us what happened. I already know, but I'm going to feign in ignorance for the microphone. I don't really get Pinterest. I don't fully understand it. But for some reason, I became involved with it. And they have floor plans mm. They have of houses. Can I weigh in for a second? Because I know why you became involved with it. It's the same reason everybody else does. They are everywhere. And if you do an image search on the internet, you end up with all these Pinterest results. And if you don't join, you can't access the images. And that's that's probably exactly yeah. what happened. And I did maybe how... So initially, and really the largest part of my connection to them is they have pictures of cool houses. I love me some real estate porn. Mm -hmm. Zillow and Redfin are great, but, you know, they're finite. And... Pinterest is not. Like, you can see as many floor plans and houses as you want to. And then I discovered that they had pictures of celebrities that I was fond of, Henry Cavill and, mm -hmm. um, you know, Matt Barr and different mm. different fellows that I find you attractive. You love Matt And Barr. so I found that I could, you know, collect them into little, you know, with their names on them. And then I have an architecture one, which is by and large the largest, but there's also some celebrities that I like and I have one. And then every now and again, I would come across a picture that was just sort of like, wow. Mm -hmm. The first one was that Neville guy. He played Neville. I can't remember the actual actor's name. He played Neville in the Harry Potter um, movies. And then he grew up mm. and apparently he did an underwear campaign ad oh. or at least got photographed in his underwear and mm -hmm. I came across the picture and it was like wow mm -hmm. so I penned it into a little group that was just sort of a random miscellaneous group now it's worth noting that I have no idea how the pictures get on to Pinterest. Mm -hmm. I have never added any pictures at all. So all of the pictures in all of my groups are pictures that I have found on Pinterest. Yes. Including the random group that is men in tight clothes, mm -hmm. you know, and whatever, yeah. sexy guys or guys kissing or whatever. Um, so... I'm going along, minding my own business, and I get this note from <laughs> Minding Pinter my own affair. Right. I get this snotty letter mm -hmm. from an uh, email from Pinterest saying that they have deleted my Neville Higginbottom group, or whatever his <laughs> name is, um, that um, because they found it offensive and pornographic and mm -hmm. bordering on being fetishistic. And I was like, bordering on being, was that language? Something about the... being a fetish or whatever. Oh, like it was Christ really, sake. it was really, it was sharp. And you can appeal this if you want to. And so I clicked on that. And so that was an instant appeal. Like that was it. They didn't, I didn't get to say anything. Mm -hmm. I didn't get to defend myself. I just got to click on this. Fine, your appeal will be considered. Well, like less than 24 hours later, I got another nasty note from them saying, no. We don't think so. We think yours is, you know, we think it's mm -hmm. this and that, and we don't think it's appropriate, and it will remain deleted and whatever. So that really pissed me off. Oh, I, was I like, bet. Oh, you haven't met me. So I started a group called Pinterest is run by bots and idiots. <laughs> <laughs> Which were also getting put on a T-shirt. And I began adding to it every single picture that was in the last group because mm -hmm. all of them 
came from Pinterest. Pinterest. I did not add any of these pictures. I don't know how to add pictures to Pinterest. These were Pinterest's own pictures. And, yeah. and I put it in, and I really loaded it up. And then, lo and behold, I get another letter eventually. It's not right away. It takes them a while. And it's basically the same letter saying we've yeah. deleted your group and blah, 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 blah. Well, by this time, I had found a way to write to um, the their department and, uh, you know, to write to their consumers affairs or whatever. I can't even remember what it was. So I clicked on the I wanted an appeal. And then I wrote to them and I said, your policies uh, prohibit uh harassing and discriminating against other people and you are harassing me and discriminating against me um, because you don't seem to like the content of the pictures that I have been penning in this group, all of which came from Pinterest. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I didn't post any of these pictures. They were all found on your site. So if you want to delete the pictures, delete them yourself. But deleting my groups does not delete the pictures. I'm not sure you understand that. Mm -hmm. What you should understand is that you're discriminating against pictures that I've chosen that are homoerotic and mm -hmm. appeal to gay people. So you are harassing and discriminating against a gay person. If you're going to take those down, maybe you should take down all of the pictures of women in low-cut blouses and mm -hmm. bikinis and wedding gowns and mm -hmm. lingerie and everything mm -hmm. else that might also be considered sexy. You know, and I would like to hear more about this from you. Mm -hmm. ah. So... Uh, I'm going to say, like, 45 minutes later, <laughs> I get this, this appears to be randomly, well, your group has been reinstated. <laughs> you know, it's like this form letter. Like, like they're responding to the appeal, and no one ever responds to the letter until, like, a few days ago oh. when I get a note from Pinterest from their Zen desk, and it's blank. <laughs> and to which I said when you told me that part of the story, if they send you just a Celtic symbol, we need you to move because that means they've put a curse on right? you. They're Things are escalating. Me. Not that afraid of Pinterest. We have responded with a rune. But it was such a homophobic thing yes, to do. Of it was course. Like, you, because I've got guys in running shorts and athletic wear and whatever. Nobody was naked, right? Nobody was, like, showing peen or balls or... I, you know, it's the internet. If I want to see porn, I know where to go look for it. And, and it's, it's not, not Pinterest. Pinterest. <laughs> for Christ's sake. I, in fact, really the great... The really funniest part of all of this is I don't believe I have ever gone into any of those groups that I've created and looked at any of the pictures Ever. I just save them as I go along. Right, yeah. And then I forget all about them. It's been a long time since I've used Pinterest because I'm not 17. No offense to any grown <laughs> people out there using Pinterest. Or sitting across the table from you. Actually, I was never 17 on Pinterest. I just got bored with it. But there was a pin that you had to install in your browser. And when you were on a general website out on the internet, you would, you would, it was never perfect, but you would click on that pin if you wanted to pin a photo to pull it. But it had started increasingly to there had been blocks on certain content because people were getting wise to it. They were like, I don't want you to just be able to pull my art onto Pinterest without yeah. any interaction with me as the creator right. of this image. So it was getting 
less, and so you were having to deal more with. But apparently, they changed their algorithm too, and people who were diehard Pinterest people got sick of it and whatever. But Pinterest is run by bots and idiots. Is not only going to be a T-shirt here at TDPS; it's going to be a line of flatware, a coffee mug, and all sorts of wonderful. <laughs> also available will be creepy as in the eye of the beholder. Creepy as in the eye of the beholder. Because yeah, and you, just because it doesn't turn you on doesn't mean it's not still hot to me. So, yeah, and it um, doesn't break any laws. Right, like, I, what's your fucking I problem? Don't, they're Care what you think yeah, of what totally. I totally. Like. Yeah, I um, I this is again, and we have talked about this before. This is tech companies being unwilling to Lazy. hire actual people yes. to make these decisions. There was an incident many years ago where all, like in a day's time, all of these LGBT books just disappeared from search results on Amazon. It was um, they just vanished, and people had no idea what was going on. And what was later revealed was that. Something in an adult filter had gotten triggered, had gotten universally applied to all of these books as if, you know, books like Dancer from the Dance by Andrew Halloran or Say Say Uncle by Eric Shaw Quinn were all sexually explicit by virtue of being about gay characters. And it was a, like a computer glitch. And it was fixed in record time. You know, it was fixed in a few days' time. Because people lost their collective Everybody minds. Everybody lost their minds. I was at the Lambda Literary Foundation at the time, and we were we were tasked with responding to it. And people thought this is something. This is the world's largest retailer of books. If they start making this decision, you know, it was apocalyptic. Yeah. The way people were going on about it. It was like a, a widget. It was a button that got pressed, and somebody wasn't in there to see the mistake before the machine made it. So, have you ever found yourself in? Um correspondence with something and realized I'm talking to a bot. I always want to believe it's not a bot, so I've never tested it, but yes. Chat, I've had chat sessions. They're more obvious because it's a live response and you get it becomes clear pretty quickly. Yeah. Um and I've had but like email, my um insurance company mm-hmm. responds to emails and it's like and I've even said, I've written an email, oh my God, am I talking to a bot? Yeah. You know, is there, are you a live human being or is this actually a bot? And what I think you're asking about is so and so and so. And it's a, like, nope, that's not what I said. It's our new deluxe passage yeah. package for 599 a month. Let I, me sign you up, sir. I even got a call from um, a research firm that was, there was a bot on the phone. I was mm-hmm. talking to a bot and I realized it and I began saying it. Oh and my God! There was no response. That was no. I'm a live human being. You know, nobody yeah. said that to me. Jesus Christ! It continued to bot me, and I was the like, "Oh my God!" Singularity. Yeah, it is near. really. It is an alarming world, but also a cheapskate world because those people are rich and they don't want to pay any employees. Absolutely, they're they're rich because they're not paying any employees. Yes, that's one of the secrets of their terrible, terrible success. And we all keep using their platforms. <laughs> and thank you so much. And thanks for tuning in to our podcast. Absolutely, on, Apple on the platforms podcast. of all of these soulless bastards promoted on Facebook and Twitter and the like. Okay, so speaking of Facebook, we went to. Our party people because we were announcing the C. Travis Rice pseudonym today and all of the romance that Louise were Rice. Christopher <laughs> Louise Rice. And we asked them what was the most romantic thing anyone had ever done for them. And I'm just going to set this up by saying the wow. universal quality of the answers was they were very similar to Beth Murphy's Saluga's answer, which was my husband always makes sure I have gas in my car, and in the winter, I always make sure the snow is cleared in the driveway so he doesn't have to walk through it. Hashtag love. And I that is the best answer. Like it's, <laughs> it's not exactly what I was hoping for, but it's it like is. that scene from um, I Highlander. I knew you were going to talk about this. It's Outlander. like that Outlander. Uh, from yeah. uh, from Outlander. Sorry, wrong. <laughs> yeah. 
Highlander is Christopher right, Nightmare cutting right. off people's it's, heads. Outlander is men who are beautiful and apologize. Cutting off people's heads. Yes. Um, yes. That, uh, beating them and raping them. Um, <laughs> the uh, Yeah, it's much nicer than Highlander. Um Okay, just tell your story because it's a good yeah, one. Yeah, it's the uh, yeah he I I was watching the show. It was in the first season, and mm-hmm. uh, I think it was the first season. It was and, yes, I remember. And uh, she goes into town. She's start work, trying to work as a healer in this. She's been transported through time. Yes, which she's sucks. gone back in time. Which God, I would just hate. I would oh lose my God, my no shit. air conditioning, no penicillin, no penicillin. Not interested. Not no. interested in that world. Um, so she's back there, and she's she's. A, nurse or something and she's trying to work as a healer in this world so she goes into town from the castle where she's staying Mm -hmm. um and uh to get herbs and such like (laughs) uh to treat people with and uh he arrives with her wrap with Mm -hmm. her shawl yes because it was getting late and he thought she might be cold walking home and i cried (laughs) I don't mean to laugh at you. It's just you were watching alone in your house and he brought her a shawl and you started crying. I wept because that's the thing. That's how you know. Like it's like the grand gestures are great and don't get me wrong. I'm all in for a grand gesture. But those kinds of little, little, little gestures of I'm thinking of you. I am. You are forefront in my mind. You are number one on my list of concerns. That's really, that's rare. That yeah. I don't know that I've had that experience. That's really, that's pretty remarkable. And I think that's really touching, Beth. I'm, I'm with you. Those, okay, those but that, that was romantic. really, I have to say that with the exception of our Florida correspondent, Amy Bellino, we didn't get any, although I think Frank had a, Frank Crumney had a, a sweet story. The stories didn't come rolling in. Sometimes we ask these questions of our party people and we get a lot of responses, but usually if it's something really negative and disturbing, like, yeah. what's the worst natural disaster you ever experienced? Who would you like to decapitate? <laughs> We've never asked that. <laughs> that would get us, the bots and idiots of Facebook would probably Whose be Whose head on. would you like to see roll? <laughs> Whose head would you like to see roll? Well, I have an uncle I've never quite liked. <laughs> um... So we also turned to some authors from the Blue Box Press. Remember that little press I mentioned earlier? that a little Blue Box Press. <laughs> and they had some sweet, and you know, these are the purveyors of our most popular romance stories. And so we had answers like this one, like Kristen Proby said, when I married my husband John in 2017, we wrote each other a love letter on our wedding day. It was full of mushy things, reasons that we love each other and why we were excited to marry. Neither of us knew the other was writing a letter. It just happened organically. Wow. Since then, on our anniversary, we write a love letter to each other. The first year was also a surprise, but of course, now it's tradition. It's better than any of the other gifts we exchange, and I'll treasure those letters for years to come. Sometimes when I'm frustrated or angry... I'll pull one out and read it just to remind myself that some days aren't the best, but I married a man who loves me and isn't afraid to count the ways. Corny, sure, but I love it. I love it, too. That's, That's really sweet. great. I love that story. Yeah, I would almost think that you might it might be beneficial to read the one that you wrote to the other person to be reminded of why it is you love them yeah. in the first place. I like, know. Keep a copy of that one as well. Yeah, totally. That's really a beautiful story. You can check out Kristen Proby's novels um, wherever ebooks are sold and physical books. Uh, the Big Sky series was one of her more popular series, and she's also an author in the 1001, excuse me, Dark Nights universe. I keep reducing everything having to do the with 11. The 11 <laughs> Nights. 1001 Dark Nights universe which is also put out by Blue Box Press.
I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. Do you have a question or comment about this podcast? Then come share it with us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the dinner party show, no spaces, and we'll do our best to answer it on the show. Just watch out for our aggrieved manservant, Shea Butters. He moderates the page, and he's been known to talk smack about the two of us. Most of what he says about you is true, though. We can discuss this later. That's right, at facebook.com slash the dinner party show. No, I meant in the car. Hi, I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and I'd like to take a moment to congratulate my co-host and producing partner, Christopher Rice. He's got not one, but four new books coming out in 2022. But today, I'd like to tell you about one in particular, a standalone thriller called Decimate. It's the terrifying story of what happens to our kitchen here at the studio Um, when I ask Christopher to make the tea. Yeah, no. When I said improvise the promo, I didn't say you could make shit up. I am not making this up. Look at that kitchen. Okay. Hi, party people. Decimate is actually a thriller about telekinesis and near-death experiences. The page-turning tale of a woman who becomes convinced her brother is being held hostage by a supernatural force following his death in a fiery plane crash. It has nothing to do with tea or our kitchen, and you can pre-order it on Amazon now. And while it is spine-tingling and terrifying, it is nothing compared to what I'm going to have to order off of Amazon to clean up that kitchen. Will you shut up about tea and our kitchen? Oh, I never shut up about tea. So returning to the more grounded and let's say less elevated romantic world of our party people. I I don't know that I'm necessarily going with that description. Okay. Stephen Fink had this to say. Honestly, the only thing I can think of is that my ex once rented a hotel room that had a hut tub. I'm assuming that's a typo, but I love imagining a hut tub tub Yeah, like like it's like that... What do they call them? The the things from the the Jewish uh, Thanksgiving. The... <laughs> Jew, what is Jewish Thanksgiving? I'll have to look it up. It's a, uh, we're gonna have to look up Jewish Thanksgiving because I don't know what that no, is. They, they build a little. They they build a little uh, tabernacle, a little hut from. Oh, do they? Yeah, okay. I'll look it up. Okay, uh, you look it up. Um, I think this Sukkot. is a, uh, Sukkot, 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 something like that. I don't know. I'll look it up. Um, so uh, this is they had sex. I mean, that's what that answer means. If they had a hot tub, they or a hot there, tub, a hot tub, three days. That was. Great. I think a hot tub sounds hot. Yeah, totally. Um, Jessica Deliston, forgive me if I mispronounced your last name. Had this to say: When my husband and I had only been dating a little while. He took care of me when I got my wisdom teeth removed. Oh, that is a big deal. Oh, that's huge. Even though I was very annoying. And I got mad at him for not letting me come into the store with him on the ride home. And I was pretty sure I was a shark. (laughs) Oh, my God. I took care of you when you had your wisdom teeth removed. And we are not married. I was not convinced I was a shark, though. I was apparently an easier Uh, patient. You were more of a whale. You were like, you were... You insisted, right? You insisted this is on Christopher's having, favorite story. He always tells this. You wanted to have water. The minute you came out of surgery, you were sitting in their little recovery booth, whatever. And you, well, they should have given me some ice chips. They, I would have been fine. They said, you can't have any ice chips. You, you really shouldn't have any water. Your mouth is completely numb. You're like, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. And so when I come in, you begin explaining the surgery to me, but your entire lip is numb, so all the water just comes gushing out of your mouth as you're saying, they had to take out more than one than two. Yeah, it was like like, the. It was like I pitched a glass of water into my own face. It was really exciting. It was like that airplane thing. You have a drinking problem, right? Okay, so um, 
I mentioned this before, but Amy Bellino had a hot one, as she always does. She's off, She's from Florida, after all. Right, and it's a lot warmer down there. Before my husband and I married, we had a very romantic evening watching Fourth. All of this is all before marriage. Have we noticed this? Not Kristen's story, but like Jessica's story. <laughs> The prenuptial. uh... (laughs) Before I knew who his ass really was. Before my husband and I married, we had a very romantic evening watching 4th of July fireworks being launched over the ocean. We were on our skiff a ways offshore where we couldn't be seen. And a whole lot of, quote, romance was happening. I like that story. You might say we were. They didn't even have a hot tub. You might say we were rocking the boat. I'm telling you. Don't come a knocking. The skiff is a rocket. That's right, babe. All right. um, This is maybe one of the longer responses that we got, and that's a good thing because I was worried this thread wasn't going to catch fire. Um, (laughs) Frank Crumrie had this to say. I actually love to tell this story, he says. It was actually how I met my husband. Picture it. Sicily, 1933. No, we didn't say Sicily. (laughs) Marie's Crisis, an old NYC show tunes piano bar. It's autumn... 2011, so, okay, apparently not that old. I inserted that old. Apologies. I had brought a friend who was visiting the city to the best show tunes bar in New York. Yes, there's more than one. I saw this adorable guy by the piano, and we proceeded to trade smiles for some time. (laughs) Eventually, the piano player started playing some songs from Oklahoma, and everyone left. No, I'm just kidding. I threw in that detail. (laughs) Everyone started throwing drinks at the piano. (laughs) And and there was a riot. Yes. Uh, and when he got to, people will say we're in uh, love. At the line, don't hold my hand too tight. People will say we're in love. He grabbed my hand. Wow. Oh, my God. We hadn't spoken a word to each other yet. Um, so I had him arrested. No, I added that. Sorry. Christopher, you're just <laughs> vandalizing this man's romantic memory. I'm jealous. But we talked the rest of the night, much to the chagrin of a certain B-list celebrity who had popped in. I don't under. I did not add that, and I'm not sure. Frank, we're going to need a further explanation because this yes. sounds like a spicy detail. This sounds like gossip. He asked me to come back to his place. I thought, nah, this is too special. I want a date. He agreed. That was ten years ago, and it's still magic. That's, That's a, a great sweet story. story. Even I though I did it. my best to fuck it up, I'm telling I'm you, really bitter did. old bitter hag. old hag. I'm mm-hmm. telling you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't tell mamas was my. Um, New York, Showtunes bar. Showtunes bar. Okay, let's go back to the world of Blue Box authors, our romance practitioners. What about the 60th surprise party? We're going to get back to Gina. I'm going back and forth. I'm trying to blend the two. I'm, oh, I see. Yeah, you, there trying. is a plan here. There's a plan here. I see. Let's talk about Laurelyn Page. Laurelyn Page. <laughs> I'm going to randomly pop over to Laurelyn Page. Okay. My husband and I had been talking about getting married. Did you want to tell us who Laurel and Page is? Oh, she's a wonderful author, and she's also in the A Thousand and One Dark Nights universe. She writes a lot of wonderful erotic romance, and she once told me when I met her that she, I think, skipped either school or work to finish reading The Witching Hour by my mother. That Anne lady. Wow, yeah. that's high praise. So I've reduced Laurelyn's entire career down to one detail that's about my family. Everybody drink. Everybody drink. Laurelyn says this. My husband and I had been talking about getting married. One day, we decided to go look at rings together. We ended up buying one with the agreement that he would keep it and pick a time and place to propose to me later. Make it a surprise and all. I love a surprise that's not a surprise. Right, that you planned carefully. We'd just arrived home from the jewelers, and we were still in the parking lot of our apartment complex when he said, I can't wait. (laughs) That's a pretty good surprise. He pulled out the ring and asked me to marry him right there. 
Yes, he was crying. I've teased him for years about cheating me of a romantic proposal, but really the fact that he was so eager to put that ring on my finger was probably the most romantic thing ever. Yes, totally. I should say so. Gina, okay, back to our party people and their more practical earthbound romance. <laughs> Just, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I have high hopes for um, romantic moments. Gina Radden, I planned a 60th birthday party for my guy, bringing in our writing friends from North Carolina and Tennessee to Huntsville, Alabama. It took a year, and it's a miracle I kept it a secret. That's actually, that's, that's yeah, that's a lot of work to keep something like that a secret. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Although, 60th, it may have been easier to... <laughs> Speaking of someone who's innocent, I know that's why I'm saying it might have been easier than you think. Like you just wait a few minutes and they don't remember that that happened. Surprise! <laughs> Eric Shawquin, you are lucky. You are a member of the group. I you are. I am absolutely. Yes. I'm. I'm hiding my own Easter eggs, Dave. I, I really am. Like okay. I am regularly fully surprised by where, like, what have I done now? <laughs> where am I? Where what could room that possibly? Am I in? What is happening? <laughs> Which meal was I supposed to be making? What day is it now? Well, you know, wasn't it just Tuesday? You said to me you saw a medical commentator on the news say, "Oh, that was the best news ever." Well, wait, I, you don't know what I'm going to say. Oh, I thought it was going to be the thing. Okay. No, this, well, I, maybe it's... it's a, you say your thing, and then I'll okay, say Okay, the thing was, the difference between just being a little confused and having a major cognitive oh, yeah. disorder is it's fine to not know where your keys are. The problem is when you don't know what your keys are for. Right, that's yeah. when you know you have a real problem. And this was my other favorite recent realization. Um, they explained that, you know how you go... you. You have something to do and you get up and you go in the other room and then you can't remember why you're there. Yes, yes. And you think, oh my God, I'm getting to be old and senile. Actually, the reason that you can't remember the, why you're there is because you've completely changed all your sensory input. So whatever it was that motivated you to come there in the first place is in another room and you're no longer being influenced by yeah, it. Yeah, totally. And so it's actually not that you're getting old and senile. It's just that um, whatever the trigger was is gone. So the solution is that if you remember you need to do something, don't do it because the doing of it will take you away from what reminded you to do it. So you should just stay where you are and not do anything. Well, my rule is actually I just stand there until I remember. <laughs> Or what about retracing your steps? Oh, does the process repeat itself? Does it become a terrible, endless cycle? I could think, I could see how that would totally be true. It has been for me, you know, like yeah. from time to time. But yeah, you walk back, you sit down, you immediately remember what it is you wanted to do. Write it down. Because once again, you're being exposed to, or take a picture of it, it on your phone, yeah. and or whatever, or just start saying it over and over again, which is one of my things. Is yeah, okay. That's enough of a memory. Order talk. some sugar. Order some sugar. Order some sugar. Order some sugar. That's order some the thing. Sugar. Order the thing. Remembering to order whatever it is. Yeah, I order oh. stuff. I I keep a running basket and then cash it in at the end of the night. I have a walking basket. I don't need a lot of baskets <laughs> running around my house. <laughs> I've already got one basket case in my house, and his name is Christopher. That's right. That's enough basket cases for you. Returning to our blue box authors, what's the most romantic thing Alexandra Ivy has ever had done for her? When I was first dating my now husband, I had long, super thick hair that was so, so hot. When he would stand next to me, he would slip his hand under my hair and lift it just high enough that a breeze could cool off my nape. It was something he continued to do until I cut my hair 30 years later. A small thing, but a constant reminder that he cared if I was comfortable. 
That's lovely. I love that. And I also love that I thought she was talking about how hot her hair was. (laughs) No, it was just hot. It was just hot. (laughs) I got hot hair. Back when I had hot hair. I thought it was so hot. Flaming hot hair. No, it was really just hot. It was frosted and feathered and it was everything. Yeah, no, I have had that experience. Maybe not as long as your hair, but yeah. Um, this one's sweet. Carrie Ann Ryan, um, also an author in the 1001 Dark Nights universe. Honestly, the most romantic thing Dan ever did for me was smile and play Lego video games with me because they were the only ones I knew how to play. He always made sure we had time to play together, even though he was far better at more complex games. In other words, time, the most romantic thing anyone could ever give me. That's lovely. It's the most valuable thing any of us possess. Yeah. Um, there was one that we got from an author, uh, Heather Graham, who's been, who was a guest on the Dinner Party yes, Show. Yes, another of our wonderful guests. It's a visual, so we can't share it with you right now in this moment, but they made a mock-up romance cover of her and her husband. Aww. I think her husband had it made, and he said it to her, and it was the two of them in this sort of bodice-rippery pose that's with the historical great. flowing dress. I love dress. that. She's, that sounds very, that's, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's a really interesting person. I really like yeah, her. She, she also fun. came to my um, book launch for yes, Right Murder she in did. New Orleans. She totally did. I remember she wore a top hat. She was yeah. very sexy. She's, yeah. she's a great, I love her. She's a really great lady. Yeah, I love her. Rebecca Zanetti, after our first year in marriage, we were both still in college and I was pregnant with Gabe. We were broke. So for our first anniversary, Tony typed out the words from our wedding dance song, burned the edges of the paper, and made a frame around it. We still have it hanging up in our house. We've almost been married for 25 years, and Gabe is now in college. Oh, that's a sweet story. Aww. That's a wonderful story. So I think that's that's all the responses that we got. I think I read them all, but again, like... That's all the romance there that's is, That's all the romance folks. people could stand. What's the rom- most romantic thing anybody's ever done for you, Christopher? Oh, God, I'm such a bitter old man. <laughs> I've, I've, I've blocked out every memory of it. Um, I have to say, even well, after the most having, romantic moment, then the most romantic moment. I I have to say, early on in my dating history, moments of, and this is something that is that has been popping up in the second Sapphire Cove book, which I'm working on now. When when there was, uh, there still is some risk in showing public affection if you're with a same sex partner. Yeah. Um. But when someone would very quickly overcome their resistance to it, like there was a moment where a boyfriend grabbed my hand on Runyon Canyon and just gave me a little kiss. Gives me a thrill to think about it now. Things like that. I have to say, despite being a dick about Beth's wonderful answer about her dutiful husband Uh cleaning the driveway, it is stuff like that that gets me. And I have to be honest about this. I'm a pretty privileged person and I've not really wanted for a lot of things. So big, huge gifts don't are not something that I, I I welcome them. So if you're out there and you're considering buying me a big, huge gift, that's great. But that's not the kind of stuff that's always really um, set me on fire. It's those little... Un- I like being surprised, you know? It's those. It's the surprise element, you know? Yeah, and the effort. Yeah, the effort and the surprise. I think But that- knowing that somebody sees you and that it's actually they're thinking of you. Yeah. Like, that's the thing with that memory. Like... Clearing the driveway because she knows that he's going to have to go out there and get mm-hmm. in the car and go to work or whatever. You know, like those those kinds of little things or lifting her hair because he knows yeah. that. That's about being seen. Yeah, there was a guy I was seeing who I was actually quite crazy about and dumped me pretty hard and it really hurt. But he got me exactly the type of tea I wanted in a shop when I was in another shop without asking me. You know, it was like, And yeah. we hadn't been seeing each other that long either. Yeah. 
Yeah, so, those yeah. kinds of things. Those are those are pretty also when he's really freaky and will do crazy shit. No, I'm just kidding. Well, that, I mean that helps. Nothing's wrong with that. Yeah, nobody's different. complaining about that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but it's the it's funny what people think of as being the romantic thing rather. Than yeah, something. because it is something that someone is not. The specialness of it will come from it not being something they're accustomed to, right? I, I think there there's um it's why I'm about the surprise of it, but it's also or, or something they can't they struggle to do for themselves. Like she, like Alexandra probably couldn't just be continually lifting her hair up off the back of her head unless she wanted to put it in a ponytail or something. You know, it's like yeah, it's reaching that extra few feet across the distance that you can't maybe reach yourself. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I think that makes sense. I can't believe I didn't think of an answer to this. What is your answer, Eric Shaw Quinn? To what is the most romantic thing anyone's ever done for you? Oh, uh, that's like I guess. It would for me. It would be more like, which do you pick? You know what I mean. Mm. Like it's not that there've been so many. Which is really funny since my I've been really been single all my life. You know right. what I mean. Like it is. They've been little moments from uh, around the most romantic moment that um, that I've ever experienced was. With this, I was dating this um, this guy, and he was a slob. Mm. <laughs> he was very busy, and he had just like he hadn't done his laundry in forever, and his house was a wreck or whatever. And we were just starting to see each other. And I was living with my sister, so his place was better for us to hang out at. Except it was a pigsty, mm-hmm. um, and it was like a Saturday morning in the fall, and it was starting to be cold weather, and breezy and clear blue sky but you know that sort of wonderful southern fall day and um we'd been doing laundry and uh cleaning up and i was making up his bed he lived in this old row house and i was up on the top his bedroom was up on the top floor and i was making up the bed mm-hmm. and he had put music on in the house that was playing, he'd wired his house, so there were speakers everywhere, which was very, that was big, that was a big deal back mm-hmm. back in the the before times. <clears throat> before um, Wi-Fi, right, yeah. Way before Wi-Fi. You actually had to wire it. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, there was this old Livingston Taylor song on, um, I will be in love with you, I'll be in love with you. That was the, mm-hmm. the chorus. And he came roaring up the stairs, singing that song with Livingston Taylor and swept me up Mm. and the sheets up into the air and spinning me around. And there's the sunlight pouring in through the windows and Mm. the October breeze blowing in and that moment of just complete. And then, you know, we tumbled into the onto the bed and all the fresh sheets and the whatever. Oh, that's that's like a cover from a romance novel. I mean, it really was. It's one of those kinds of... it's just one of those perfect, magical little moments. Mm-hmm. And it didn't turn out to be anything, and we didn't last, and it wasn't great, but it was such a it was such a heartfelt, sincere, beautiful moment. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was mm-hmm. totally performative, but whatever it was, it still comes back to me and yeah. kind of blows me away. It was a really beautiful sort of... But I've also had people do um, lovely little and big things for me over the, over mm-hmm. the years, and gift baskets and mm-hmm. surprises and... Yeah, lots of little. It, but it's the thing that 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 we were talking about. It. It's being, it's being seen. It's being, being seen. 
Right. You know, it's being, it's you. It's I, I see you there. You are, mm-hmm. you know, being made to feel important to somebody else, like mm-hmm. front of mind. Yeah, absolutely. First on the list. Well, well. Major shift in tone for our next episode, which we're going to see. Darkness falls. Darkness returns. See Travis Rice's romantic light will recede briefly, except for that promo. We're going to stick into every (laughs) fucking episode from here on out. And yeah, pre-order your books. Pre-order Sapphire Sunset. Sapphire Sunset. That's the first one. That's the first one. The second one is not available for pre-order yet, but it will be teased in the back of the first one. Um, and uh, yeah, Sapphire Sunset, so, March first, twenty twenty two, is when it goes on sale. And when is the like? Is the series going to come out in short order, or will it be over a period? The of second years, one or? will be out in October of twenty twenty two. Oh, great! And the third one will be out in twenty twenty three, and I'm not sure on the exact month in this moment. I think we know, but I've completely forgotten. So pretty swiftly. Yeah, but there we're yeah exactly the second one I'm almost done with right now. So it was very exciting. Great. Yeah, very, very exciting. I, I have high hopes. Yeah, well, congratulations. I Thank think that's you. really great. I enjoyed the first one. I'm looking forward to see how the rest of the, the series plays out. Absolutely. Or maybe you won't show me. I oh, I'll show you. I'll always show you. You never can't you. tell. You do I always show you and I say, if I stole any of your good lines without credit, you let me know. <laughs> you let me know. But on our next episode, we are returning with another true crime pairing, starting with a true crime TV club covering the murder of iconic Mexican-American pop star Selena. We're serving up The Crimes That Changed Us, Season 1, Episode 5. And as always, we have our standard disclaimer. You do not need to watch this episode uh, to understand. You can implement the Cindy Conforti rule and and, uh, let us serve it up for you because that will be our job. And then on the episode following that, we're going to have a true crime movie time with the Jennifer Lopez film that made her a star about the life of Selena. So that's the pairing. And I'm sorry, I just wanted to get through that. You you had something to say, clearly. Yeah, I don't know that I would call her Mexican-American. She was just American. It's an interesting question because so much of this story is going to be about that label. You know, like like she, Tejano was also a label that the community that, that she was a member of used. Hispanic is a label that is brought up uh, in the in the um, the news footage from the special that we're going to talk about that they show from the time. And so I was left like, yeah, I wasn't sure. Yeah, I wouldn't describe you as an Irish American author. You yeah, know what I mean, I know and you're totally an Irish American author. But and I don't want to get too far ahead of of. Uh, well, I think ideally it's it's. The movies indicates how the but, individuals preferred to identify. And I think and, the thing that's really um, significant about her is that she was a huge hit huge in hit. Mexico as well as in this country. Which so, was apparently not the kind of given that most ignorant white people would assume it is of that culture, which is something we're going to talk about, too. I uh, Mexican-American was actually used in the Discovery uh, plus synopsis for this episode because I was like, what? I don't want to say the wrong she thing. She was very proud of the heritage. Yeah. So yeah, I don't think it's a wrong thing to say, but it's like my reaction was, I'm not sure if I would say that about her. But yeah. that's an interesting, it'll be interesting to see how they address it in the oh yeah in the uh, the two, in the pairing. Absolutely. But, but first is true First crime. is the crimes that changed us. And the episode is titled Selena. That's season one, episode five. That is streamable on Discovery Plus, uh, for sure, and possibly available some other places. Good luck to you, but that's where we're watching. That's it. where we're watching it because we, we spend Plus. most of our life on Discovery love Plus. Discovery Plus, just love it. <laughs> Absolutely, you don't have it. We totally recommend it. We're not getting paid for it, but we wouldn't mind Discovery Plus. If no, you want to send us a check, call, and we'll give you the address. Absolutely. Um, and then Selena, which we're gonna the film with Jennifer Lopez, is available on HBO Max. 
when we so when we get to that episode, <laughs> which will also be available on Discovery Plus very soon. <laughs> I know because they merged. <laughs> oh, the, the the age of mergers. Right. Anyway, until then, I'm Christopher Rice and I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and you're listening to TDPS presents Christopher. Did you forget? I forgot the name of our show. <laughs> <laughs> and Eric, thanks. This is TDPS.